Welcome to Canada Homeschools, the dose of inspiration and encouragement for Canadian homeschoolers. Canada Homeschools features interviews with homeschool group organizers, resource suppliers, and conversations with everyday homeschoolers just like you, all from a Canadian perspective. I'm your host, Rowan Atkinson. I'd like to thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. <laughs> In 400 meters. In 100 meters. For those of you just tuning in, today we are continuing our conversation with homeschooler, blogger, and author Christy Knockleby. Last episode, we got to know Christy and her homeschool journey, so you can go back to season two, episode two, to hear more about that. Christy blogs at housefullofchaos.com, and she also teaches classes on the OutSchool and Thinkers Meetup platforms, and that's what we're going to discuss on today's episode. Christy, welcome back. Great to be back. Thank you. Firstly, can you start by telling us a little bit about the teaching platforms OutSchool and Thinkers Meetup in general? Okay. So OutSchool is like Uber or Airbnb of online teaching. It is a platform where individuals can list their own services teaching and we're basically contact. We're just using their platform to sell our own classes. And OutSchool does have a little bit of a evaluation process for deciding which classes they'll offer or allow people, teachers to offer. But it is very much like Uber, Airbnb. It's a gig economy thing where you never know if you're gonna have enough kids to run a class. You don't know if you're gonna get just one kid and have to decide, do you teach that one child? Or do you cancel the class because you didn't meet your minimum number of students? It's a big economy job. Thinkers Meet Up is a bit more of a select program. It's run by a woman in Oxford. And she teaches online classes herself and invited some other teachers to join her. And so we have connected online and she invited me to join her group. Everything with them is a bit more personal, a bit more connected. She has a bit more concern for her teacher's well-being and for trying to have the classes affordable and helping those who can't afford. But it's a very small platform located in England. Yes, I noticed Whereas when I was on there, the prices is, were in pounds. Yes, and the times listed are for England. Yes. So do you teach live then, or can you prepare videos in advance? Is it all live teaching? Both platforms offer live classes as well as some asynchronous classes. So most of the classes I teach on OutSchool are live. I meet the students. I can tailor things based on their facial expressions in the Zoom classroom. OutSchool does allow people to offer flexible schedule classes as well, which are pre-recorded videos. And I've done a little bit of that, but I haven't done very much. How did you get connected with the platforms and what made you decide to teach classes there? Originally, I wasn't a teacher. I don't have teacher qualifications. 
I was recruited by a different homeschooling group to teach Minecraft math classes. And it was classes where students actually come into Minecraft and we would play the game while talking about math concepts and exploring math concepts there. So I did that for a couple of years and then that group moved to offering their classes throughout school. And I switched to just offering my classes throughout school and not with that other group at all. And sort of that's how I got into it. Eventually I decided I was gonna drop the Minecraft aspects and teach other things that I have a passion for. And that's where I went. Isn't it amazing how life takes us on a journey? My kids love Minecraft, by the way. They probably would have loved math a lot more if they had known about your class. So what process did you it's have to go? not I expected to be. <laughs> no, no. And I want to circle back. You said you weren't a qualified teacher and I like to encourage people that you're not a certified teacher, but that doesn't mean you're not qualified to teach. I think we need to give ourselves a little bit more credit sometimes. I mean, if we're a parent educator, we're, we're qualified to teach. We're just not certified. I'll probably have a whole episode on that. That's as a nice well. way of putting it. And when I got into it, I was looking at it as a way of offering an extracurricular activity. I wasn't covering a particular math curriculum. I was doing math games. We were looking at set theory. We were looking at binary and how to build um, calculators in Minecraft Redstone. So it's this sort of extra thing that's outside of the curriculum. And I thought, okay, I don't actually need a teacher's certificate to teach these things. Out school is an interesting place because it gets a lot of its funding through charter schools in the States. And some of those charter schools are looking for the curriculum the certification and some of them aren't and some of the homeschool parents who go to out school are looking for teachers who are connected with the public school system and others are looking and saying they don't want teachers who have taught in a brick and mortar school because they want people who are more used to homeschooling so there's all sorts of things happening on out school and people just have to find their niche which classes they want to teach and which classes they want to take so what process did you have to go through to get on the platforms? Because I think a lot of people listening and myself included might consider doing something like that. What hoops will we have to jump through to get there? So when I started with OutSchool, they were still quite small. And at that point, all I had to do was a phone interview and a police check. Now I understand that their process has changed. So people are doing recorded videos ahead of time, and I don't know all of the steps anymore. So you're grandfathered in. Thinkers meet up. I was invited. Yes. Yeah, so the now I still have to are... jump through hoops every time I list the class. Oh yeah, the police checks are important because Sorry. you are actually you have access to minor children, and even on platforms like Thinkific, yeah. they recommend that. Well, at least on that platform, they don't really want anyone having direct access to the kid if they're under the age of 14, like if they're not in high school yet. And so that's something that you have to think about and manage as if you're creating online courses, that whole safety for the kids thing. So I'm kind of glad to hear they have that, that hoop. Everything on OutSchool is recorded. So anytime I'm meeting with kids, it is all recorded. They keep records of it and they could go back through it yeah. to see what happened. 
That's good to know. The teachers as well as protecting. Yes, exactly. It's like that whole plan to protect thing that we have in our nonprofit organizations as well. All those rules for the best of everyone. So do you have any advice for other teaching parents? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just on that topic of sort of security and, and dealing with kids. I have that a bit on my homeschool server. I had my Minecraft server when I quit teaching Minecraft classes, but when COVID came in March, I opened it up again because I thought we need a virtual playground for children. So this is my virtual playground for children. I invited some of the students I had contact with from before and I have opened it up to other homeschoolers. And the security has been an interesting thing there too, because I meet all the kids on Zoom, normally with their their parent, before I let them on the server, so that I know that it's a child and not an adult. Good. There is this knowledge that these parents know that I am playing with their kids, and I'm talking with their kids on Minecraft. Yeah. And they know that's happening. And I keep in touch with them as best I can with the parents to let them know how things are going and to be available that they can ask me questions. And I keep the chat logged so that people could look at that. But there is this weirdness of knowing that I'm interacting with other people's kids and that they trust me enough to let me do this. And I will live up to that trust. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I, and I try to do the same with my um, geography course because they, the kids can download certain like worksheets or things like that. And so I encourage them to use their parents' email address. I don't want the children's email addresses because I'm not marking their stuff. Their parents are. So, um, so just keeping that in mind as well. It's, it's the little things, right? That just protect everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So Do you have any advice for other teaching parents who may have a course or a class to share as they consider these teaching platforms other than the security stuff that we just talked about? I would say no, that right now the market is really, really difficult. Back in March and April, when COVID first struck, there were lots of new teachers who joined all the online platforms. And at first, when schools closed down, parents were flooding to these online platforms. Well, now schools have gotten more organized. They're offering their own online courses. And who used to spend all day in school and then come home and do one or two online classes as enrichment no longer want to do that because they're sitting in front of a computer all day. Yes. They don't want more computer classes for enrichment. So the market is actually way down right now. That is so surprising. It makes sense how you explain it. But if you were just to ask me, oh, hey, how are online classes doing? I would assume they're doing great because of COVID. But what you're saying is that actually no, because it's the opposite, because everyone's sick of being on the computer. However, there is a whole slew of new homeschoolers. Hopefully they found this podcast and they can head on over to OutSchool and these other places and start doing courses and get those teachers some work. Yeah, so if you're going for it, go for it. I mean, some people are wonderfully successful at it. Others aren't. My understanding is that on platforms like OutSchool right now, you have to be willing to teach the same class over and over quite a bit. And if you hit the right niche and you have the time to do that, you can be successful in it. I have it a little bit harder because my time is very limited by my children. Mm -hmm. And I don't like teaching the same course over and over too much. 
So I tend to teach a course two or three times and then write up something new with all the work that goes into that to teach something totally new. I like to create something, but then after the newness has worn off, I'm kind of over it because I want to create something else and learn something else. And I need an army of like 10 administrators to follow along behind me and just keep the things going that I've launched into motion. <laughs> so I think, I think we're the same that way from what I'm hearing from you. And, and that's okay. Inquiring minds want to know, I always say. So how do courses on platforms like OutSchool help homeschoolers? One of the things it can do is give a child a chance to interact with a different teacher instead of a parent some of the time. And it can give a child a chance to talk online with other children. It's also a fun way of offloading some of those courses on subjects that the parent might not be as good on teaching. So like I tend to send my kids into science-based classes because well, my husband is a scientist, I'm the one doing the homeschooling, and I don't want to teach those courses if I can get somebody else to do that. Yes, I loved There's it at our homeschool group when someone else did chemistry. It was <laughs> the best thing ever. Yeah. So one of the topics that it's you... Oh, go ahead. Can I just say, one of the challenges with something like OutSchool is that the teachers have to set a price. And we know that a lot of the classes are being paid for by charter schools in the United States. And in some areas of the states, it's very common to pay fairly significant prices for courses. On the other hand, we want to make the courses acceptable to people here too. And it's one of the complaints I've heard that OutSchool seems very expensive. And it is a challenge as a teacher to try to figure out how to price things. And so I wanted to say that if you're a homeschooler looking for classes, one of the options to do is there are a number of Facebook groups where teachers offer discounts on their outschool classes. So you could check out those. And the other thing you can do is you can actually email the teacher and ask for a discount. You can, um, particularly if you're trying to put siblings in a class or if you want to sign up your child plus a couple of friends, sometimes the teachers will give discounts for that. Or just explain if, you know, if finances is an issue, explain on some of them. And some teachers will be receptive to that, others won't. Don't take it personally. And you also build up a relationship with the teachers. So take a couple of smaller classes and then like the shorter ones. And then if you want to take one of the teacher's longer classes, ask if you really can't afford it, ask. That sounds like really good advice. I guess if I were teaching and charter schools were paying for the courses and I could earn a good wage for the amount of time and effort I've put into it, I would want them to pay me those higher prices. But at the same time, my heart for individual families would be that they could afford it. So I see what you're saying and, um, it's really a business even it's teaching but it's a business the business of teaching yeah. i think no matter whether you're a writer a teacher product creator finding the figuring out the price is hard <laughs> it's just hard for you you want to make something for your time also, but you want it to be affordable it's also hard on out school because we don't know how many kids are going to sign up so we can put a minimum and we can put a maximum if we want but sometimes parents want their child's class to run even if there's just one or two kids so do we price it such that we can afford to run it for one or two kids but that might discourage other kids so do we price it lower 
and say, we really will not run it unless we have at least five kids and risk not having it run. So that's another dilemma. And that's part of where if you get into communication with the teacher and if you can help bring in other kids, that also helps. Yeah, and I think homeschoolers would have a big capacity to gather some more kids for the class if they really wanted to run it, right? Because we've been doing that with our homeschool co-ops and everything the whole time, right? So so we have ways. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good information there. I've, I've been learning some things. So, so thank you. Okay. One of the topics that you love to cover in your classes came about in a conversation with your son about what he wanted to do for a unit study. What was the topic and how did that springboard your own learning on the topic? So ages ago, I asked my oldest what he wanted to study and he said he wanted to learn about pirates but not about their lifestyle but why they went to sea and so that got me reading and then it became a game as i was reading to see how many world events can be tied in some way to piracy i was looking at the late 15th century to the early 19th century and just following threads from one book to another book to another and a lot of world history is in some ways tied to piracy at that time it really is although some so of the time I, they called it privateering so that it sounded a bit more posh but but you're right about that well and partly that's because pi piracy wasn't clearly defined until sort of the, the late 17th century. And then it was a matter of opinion. So with the debate between pirates and privateers, there's this fun question of, what about government that isn't a legitimate government? Can they send out privateers or are those pirates? And so you have somebody who claims that he's king of Portugal and he's sending out what he says are privateers, but the others are saying, no, those are pirates because he's not actually king of Portugal. And it was the same thing with the American Revolution. When they sent out privateers at first, the British hung them as pirates. And yet the British acted as privateers as with the American war. ships. <laughs> they were considered privateers by the British only after the French joined the battle. When the French supported the Americans, then the privateers were acknowledged as privateers. So it's it's so fun. There's so many different threads and it gets into politics and it gets into questions of who has the authority to declare war and questions of when is it justified to overthrow a government and just all sorts of questions. These are the eternal questions of history and politics. Yes. So on Thinkers Meetup, I see that you have a class on pirates and politics in the 17th century, and um, we've been talking about it a little bit already, but what, what sorts of things will you and your students be exploring in this five-week course? So we're exploring those questions about pirates versus privateers. We're looking at the effects of the English Civil War, the new army, and the way in which concepts of slavery changed at that point in time as um, some of the royalists ended up sent over as indentured servants. And we're looking at the development of or the colonization of the Caribbean and the plantations there and how plantation owners worked as pirates. Some we're looking at smuggling and how attempts to crack down on smuggling end up increasing the amount of piracy 
We're going to be talking about China and Japan and their foreign trade policies and efforts that China made to restrict piracy very unsuccessfully. And we will be looking at the glorious revolution in Britain and how that affected the colonies and the governors that then supported piracy. And we'll be looking at how the economic goals, the British East India Company, ended up really requiring down on piracy so that their factories and their traders wouldn't be penalized in retribution for piracy. Wow, I wish so I had time class. to take that class. <laughs> it would be so interesting. Thank you so much. I for... had originally meant to make this into a book. <laughs> well, you know, so maybe, that maybe may still happen. It will be available in book form. <laughs> I, I vote for that. So thank you so much for giving us a sneak peek of that course. If you are interested in Christy's classes, you can head over to her website, housefullofchaos.com, and you can link from there to the teaching platforms. And even though I am enjoying this talk so much and I don't want it to come to an end, it is time for us to start winding down. So uh, to wrap up our conversation, we're going to head to the home stretch. These are the questions that we didn't ask uh, in the last episode, home stretch. So we're going to have some quick questions. What has homeschooling looked like for your family during the summers? Oh, we just take the summer off. We we homeschooled through the summer until my kids were old enough to realize that other kids had the summer off, and then they revolted, and we just let them play, and we just leave it. They read, they play. Sounds great. I didn't really homeschool through the summers either. I needed a break, to be honest. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting homeschooling? Get to know your child's interests and how to pick the right book for them. But at the same time, don't feel like you have to change curriculum or books every time the kid says, I'm bored or I don't like this. That's good advice. I think Otherwise that we... we end up with just there's a balance between being interest-led and then also developing their character because life is full of hard things and things that you don't want to do. I never want to do the dishes, and yet I find myself doing them because I have to. So uh, even, though, even though we do want to follow their interests and how they're wired and how they're gifted and really encourage that, it's okay to make them practice their piano. And it's been fun with mine because, um, especially my son, he didn't want to do piano and I let him switch to drums. Uh, but now he's like kind of saying to me, I'm glad that you made me take piano because now he's writing music and it really helps to be able to read music and do piano. You know, when they're in the yeah. thick of it, they don't know that mother knows best. It's hard to be disciplined. I know I'm not super disciplined, so <laughs> it's important for them to learn to be disciplined. It's, it's a tightrope, but it's a tightrope that's only two inches off the ground. So you try to walk it, but you're going to fall constantly and that doesn't matter. You just keep going. I really love that illustration of a tightrope only a couple of inches off the ground. That's excellent. So if you could leave listeners with one with a word of encouragement, what would you say? You can do it. <laughs> Just love the kids. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's really about that relationship. And we get so 
uh, hung up on all the shoulds and our to-do list. And at least I know I'm guilty of that. I don't want to speak for everyone. So yeah, yeah. that's good advice. Thank you. You can do it. Just love the kids. Yeah. That's Christy's advice and encouragement for homeschoolers. So thank you so much for listening today. Thank you, Christy, again, for giving me so much of your time for you to share what you're doing and some of your homeschool philosophy and some of your experiences. And I know that listeners will be able to get a lot out of our conversation that we've had last episode and this episode. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find helpful links and show notes for this episode at our website, canadahomeschools.com. Please share this podcast with your friends and leave a rating and positive review on your podcast provider. This will help others find their dose of inspiration and encouragement. Happy homeschooling, Canada! Hee <laughs> hee!